Again, uh, Jeff and I are super excited to uh, have an amazing speaker today to, uh, that uh, they're gonna share their insights with us. And I'll hand it over to Jeff to tell you more about our today's speaker. Thanks, Amin. Um, hi, everyone. This is Jeff. It's my pleasure to introduce our uh, main speaker to you today. So um, Beth Ann Katz is a product manager at Microsoft and is currently working on PowerPoint. Outside of work, uh, Beth Ann founded the Catsby uh, Fights Depression, a nonprofit organization using content creation to combat uh, mental health stigma. In 2018, she won an award for her work from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And in 2020, Beth Ann was named one of the Society of Women Engineers Top 10 Women Engineers You Should Know. So, with that introduction, uh, please welcome Beth Ann Katz for our presentation today. Thank you so much, Jeff and Amin, for that great intro. And thank you, Anna, and everybody for reaching out and having me here. I am going to start sharing my screen. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. Um, I put together a talk on how to product manage your mental health. And as uh, the intro stated, I work at Microsoft, where I'm a product manager currently on PowerPoint. Before we get started, I did want to give a trigger warning. This shouldn't get too graphic or anything, but just know that there will be some talk about depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation, because that's been part of my story. Um, so I did want to let you know that those topics might come up, uh, will come up. <laughs> but jumping into this topic, I wanted to start with introducing myself, because um, I don't think I've met any of you before. <laughs> um, but this is my story, and it starts back in 2009 when I was in high school um, in the US. And what happened was that I found myself where I was normally, you know, pretty like this, upbeat and happy and whatever, um, struggling with a lot of different emotions and circumstances that I hadn't been struggling with before. And it turned into a lot of different things like extreme sadness and irritability and all these different things that are very difficult to handle. Um, and what I learned uh, later was a diagnosis of clinical depression. And I chose this picture for a reason. Um, you can't really tell right now, but I have a lot of hair. It's uh, <laughs> down to my mid back. And this is the only time in my life where my hair was cut this short. And that's actually something kind of typical with depression, um, it can show up where there are these extreme kind of urges to change your appearance in an attempt to get back control or different things like that. Um, and so this was actually one of the physical representations where you could see that something was going on emotionally and that's how it manifested. Um, and it was a really, really scary time where I was kind of forced to go into therapy um, to make sure that I was okay and all these different things. I really didn't know how to handle what was going on. Um, and there was a lot of shame involved. Um, I know I know deeply about the stigma in the U.S. I know less about it globally, but uh, there there's a huge stigma about having depression, about having mental illness, and so um, just really hard to manage and accept and deal with. And and I didn't. I kind of just smiled through my sessions and said I was fine until people started believing me, and that became the status quo for a long time. Which brings me to the next portion of life, 2010 to 2016, where I graduate high school, I go through college, and I actually still have very active depression, but at this point, I'm trying to ignore it and pretend it's not there and hide it. And in some ways, I tried to seek help 
a little bit. I went to maybe like three therapy sessions that were offered through my university. Um, but overall, it was just trying to get through everything and pretend that the symptoms that I was still seeing weren't an issue and, and weren't real. But these issues become very difficult because they manifest into real world consequences like difficulty managing relationships, difficulty managing workloads, struggling with suicidal ideation, which is something that was just kind of always in the back of my mind for, for a very long time. And in 2014, I graduated college and went on to Microsoft directly after college. And that's where I did start saying, I think now that I'm on my own, I should start seeking out help. I can't keep ignoring that this is there and this is real. And so I started seeking out that help and going to therapy and all of this, um, but it was still a secret. And, and when I say a secret, nobody knew. Um, the people that I was closest to, like my brothers and my parents and my boyfriend who I'd been with, with about, for about three years at this point, um, nobody knew. And it stayed that way for a long time until I realized that I was hiding my diagnosis to protect myself and it was actually hurting me more than it was helping me, where I couldn't explain why I was doing certain things or acting certain ways. And so I kind of had an epiphany that maybe it would help if I was honest about what I was going through. And that brings me to 2017. And what happened in 2017 is that I had grappled with a long time with a couple of things, one, telling people, and two, a decision to start taking medication to help with what I was going through. And both of those things changed in 2017, and a little bit before then, I think in 2016, where I did start opening up and telling people about my story, um, and I decided to try medication um, and just kind of take this into my own hands and stop hiding what I was going through. And I started reaching out to people in my circles and I even put a YouTube video up of like, this is what I'm going through and I just want everyone to know. Um, I was met with a pretty positive reception. People were supportive and reached out with things that they were going through themselves. And that's when I realized that this conversation was kind of bigger than me and what I was going through, but that a lot of people were doing this and a lot of people were going through it. And what this picture in particular represents was that I had an even bigger moment where I decided that besides just telling my own circle, maybe this should be something where the world or, or a bigger community needs to have a conversation about it. And I saw a call for stories through Microsoft about diversity, inclusion, or different uh, adversity and things that you had gone through, just any story that you think Microsoft would want to know about. And I replied to that uh, inquiry and I said, I have been struggling with a mental illness and I think that. I'd like to talk about what it's like going through that in the workplace. And as part of my own journey, I did start telling my boss as well what I was going through, that I was going to start medication. I didn't know how it was going to be affecting me. And this picture in particular was from the story that Microsoft ended up writing about what I was going through, what happened at the workplace, and how I kind of changed from this narrative of hiding what I was going through and really struggling to stepping up into a role of like, actually I struggled, I found out that hiding it wasn't helping. And I think if I tell people that it's okay, it's, it's a better experience to tell people, then it might help. Which brings us closer to today, which is where I now have this organization that's against the mental health stigma 
the thing that kept me from seeking out help. It's a 10 years from one end to the other. Um, and so today I run a Facebook page that has over 4,000 followers um, where we talk about different uh, parts of mental illness, sharing articles, resources, memes, things that you can laugh about, um, and different things like that. So that there's a place where it's okay to talk about this stuff and say it's not something to be ashamed of and not something to hide. And if we bring it out into the open, maybe we can help people get help. And so that's why this matters so much to me, kind of my journey of how I started to where I am today. But beyond just my own story, this is a really important topic for a lot of other reasons. Mainly, mental illness affects us at work. And if we go through the statistics, um, according to Mental Health UK, almost 15% of employees experience a mental health condition in the workplace. One in five US adults is affected by a mental illness in any given year, according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. One third of employers would not believe the information on a sick note from an employee with a mental health issue, according to the Harvard Business Review. Um, so these, the first two kind of talk about that it's just prevalent. A lot of people are going to go through this, but these next couple bubbles that are coming up um, dive into that portion of the stigma that there is a really tangible piece of this that people are still aren't comfortable discussing mental illness or talking about mental illness in the workplace, and it can come in the form of distrust at work. This last part, um, that employees who disclose a mental illness more often face repercussions at work like demotion or dismissal. And so in my case, it was a really positive interaction and story, um, but that's not always the case. And there is risk in going through this. So again, there's a lot of work to be done on the face of the stigma. This is why it's so important to talk about mental, mental health in the workplace, mental health in yourself and how to manage it. And on the economic side, according to the World Health Organization, $1 trillion is lost in productivity annually due to depression and anxiety alone. So there is a big economic impact to all of this mental illness, uh, mental illness and mental health discussion. So what I did was I put together this talk about how to product manage your own mental health. And there's a couple things that I want you to walk away from when we're done with this. So the first set is what you as an individual can do for your mental health at work. Uh, like I said, I struggled for a while about what to do with my own mental health at work. And this uh, is kind of my learnings from that whole process. The second thing we'll learn is what organizations can do for mental health at work. So there's stuff you can do as an individual, of course, and kind of empower, but there's things that organizations can do to set their employees up for success and make sure that they have a healthy way to handle their mental health at work. One disclaimer before we get into this is that I am not a doctor nor a trained medical professional. Um, so please just take this as my own personal advice and journey and stuff like this, but really this is not a replacement for any sort of medical advice. But jumping into that first section as of what you can do as an individual um, and a couple things before we start. So this was intended to be an interactive workshop that was before uh, the, the world kind of went into shelter in place and wasn't together. Um, but I think I will try to do that same format and we can share over the call if people are comfortable. So there will be points for that. Um, so we'll try that and see how it goes. Um, and then before we jump into the section of what I can do, um, this is a product management talk. And so there was a product management inspiration behind this. Um, so I wanted to talk you through that. And as a, 
Jeff mentioned during the intro, I started out at Microsoft on Windows. And specifically on Windows, I was part of the App Store. And when I first joined Microsoft, <laughs> back when we were still trying to do a Windows phone, <laughs> um, we had, and we still do have our own App Store. And I was tasked with, we're having reliability issues with this new pipeline for the App Store that we're standing up, the pipeline that delivers apps from Microsoft to our customers. And what I need you to do is figure out how to make sure it's healthy and how to make sure that we can not have these reliability issues. And that was kind of the problem that I was given as a baby product manager in Windows. <laughs> and I had to step back and think about how do you tackle this? How do I figure out like, is the store healthy? And, and what can I do to make it healthier and to catch issues? And that lens of how I looked at how to improve the health of the Windows App Store is how I looked at improving the health of my own mental health, um, of product managing my mental health. And that's kind of where the inspiration for this uh, presentation came from. And so the first thing that I did was that I said, before I can start thinking about how do I fix this, you have to think about how to measure it. Is the store healthy right now? How do you know that? And so that's the first step for managing the health on the Windows Store, the Windows App Store, but also uh, for managing your mental health is to figure out your indicators. Uh, the first thing you should do is check in with yourself to think about when are you healthy and when you're not and start to learn what does that look like. Some questions you can start asking yourself. Is today a good, bad, or neutral mental health day? And also, what things do I notice myself doing differently on good days versus bad days? So different habits, behaviors, feelings that can tell me if, if you're in good health or not. And there are some common ones to look for. This list is not exhaustive. And because I'm leading this presentation and wanted to be able to talk from experience, a lot of these are ones that I tend to see in myself. So the first one, of course, is mood. Like I talked about going through my journey with clinical depression, um, the mood thing is, is very tangible that on days where I'm fine, I feel neutral, content, happy, and days where my mental health is not so good, it can go into extreme sadness and hopelessness or kind of on the other side of irritability and anger and walking with those emotions. Another one is eating habits. This is very common um, and another sign of clinical depression um, where it can like extreme changes in weight can be a sign that you're actually experiencing a mental illness. Um, and for me, I tend to go on the side of overeating when things are stressful or I'm having a bad mental health day. And so if I look at my eating habits, that can be one thing that tells me like, oh wow, like I find myself like eating a lot more or feeling compelled to eat a lot more today. Um, that might mean that I'm not doing so great. Sleeping habits is another really common one. And again, that's another symptom of, of mental illness, of clinical depression. It's very common to say, like, if you're finding yourself sleeping way too much or way too little, that can mean something bigger is going on. But even aside, again, from mental illness itself, just in terms of checking in on your own mental health, if you find yourself having trouble sleeping, uh, be it tending toward insomnia or not sleeping enough, or feeling like you have to sleep more and, and can't get enough, that can be an indicator of good versus bad mental health. And personally, I tend toward the side of hypersomnia, of oversleeping, when I feel like I'm stressed and not having a good mental health day. 
And another one is energy levels. This can be related to the sleeping habits. It can be decoupled from the sleeping habits. But again, if you find yourself very low on energy, that could be a bad mental health day. Um, another interesting one to look out for is also just if you're finding yourself with extreme amounts of energy, um, there is uh, something called mania or um, like manic depression that can also be um, something that can be a sign that like, wow, today's kind of a day where I'm off or not doing so great. Um, these are some common indicators to look for, again, not exhaustive. And so, like I talked about, this is supposed to be an interactive workshop, and at the end, I do want you to walk away with an understanding of your own signals and how to product manage your own mental health. And this will be a process of learning where today you can come out with an idea of what this is, but this is something that you'll refine over time as you start to check in with yourself more and learn more about your own mental health and indicators and everything. So just like I did with the ones I just walked you through, I'd like you to think of three to five scenarios of your own that indicate your mental health state. And for now, just concepts uh, don't need any metrics connected to them. Um, just like I talked about above, where I'm like, I sleep a lot on days where I have uh, bad mental health and sleep less on good mental health days. And I want you to physically write them down. And then like I talked about afterward, um, we can share what you're comfortable with with the group. And so um, in the spirit of doing this workshop and for you to have this plan at the end, I'd like us to take four minutes for you to think about this kind of on your own. And so I put this little timer here in the PowerPoint, I'll pull this window and then, um, yeah, just take four minutes to think about what are your own indicators that are different on good days versus bad days. So I'll start this timer and go ahead and think about that. Over. Would anyone feel comfortable sharing or want to talk through a couple of their indicators? Irritability. Yep. Definitely one of mine as well. <laughs> and being oversensitive. Yep. That is a great one. Just being kind of hypersensitive and knowing things affect you a little bit more on days where you don't have as many resources available uh, for yourself. Did anyone else want to share? Unable to focus on my work. Yep. One of the things that I thought about when I was trying to process, you know, what it meant to have depression and all this stuff is that it's kind of like brain cycles are being used to keep processing whatever's on your mind emotionally and it's taking away those cycles from other places. Um, and so this unable to focus on work is definitely something that I think about that like on days where my mental health needs more attention, things like work or other things don't get as much as they need. Intrusive thoughts. Yep. Definitely just like not being able to escape. I'll keep checking the chat. Uh, there will be a couple of these pause points during the workshop. So if you ever feel like sharing, feel free to go in there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So now on to the second step. Like we talked about, going back to that analogy of the Windows App Store, 
I had determined a couple things that indicated how healthy our service was, that when the service was reliable, these are the things that were good, and when it's not reliable, these are the things that were not so good. And that's um, the first step. But once you have that, the next thing that I had to do was say, well, what exactly is the point where it goes from health to not healthy? And that's a threshold. And for me, in terms of that work, when I was product managing that feature, it was about knowing when we wanted to fire off alerts. That was what the threshold meant, that like this needs attention, um, this is the number of failures, whatever, when it means that we need somebody to go look into this. And again, this is the, the same thing that I want you to think about for product managing your mental health. Of With those indicators you just thought about, when does it mean that you're healthy versus unhealthy? So, using the scenarios you brainstormed earlier, like I talked about, what we're going to do is think about what metrics mean good health versus bad health. And specifically, like I talked about, you're trying to answer the question of when your scenarios indicate you would want to make changes or seek help. Going back to the store analogy, this is when we'd say we want somebody to look at this or we'd want some automatic system to make some change to bring the service back to healthy. And there's a couple of things, which is one, there's these individual metrics. In we should monitor to see how these metrics perform. But at a more meta level, also thinking about how many of those have to be healthy versus unhealthy for me to think that there's something wrong that I should think about uh, making changes. And this is where the metrics should come in, where the first thing was a set of scenarios. This is now a set of metrics that help you determine health versus not health. So going back to the examples that I look for in myself of mood, eating habits, sleeping habits, and energy levels, these are some things that I look for. So for me, it's feeling depressed, anxious, or irritable for four or more days in a week. Um, every day will be different, and, and even when you're in poor, poorer health, there might be some days that are better than others, so that's why I think like four out of seven is a good indicator for me to understand like more often than not, I'm not doing so great this week, and that might mean that something bigger is going on. In terms of eating habits, one that I look for in myself is gaining like a non-trivial amount of weight week over week. Um, so I tend to personally, I just weigh myself every day and I see like if that number starts creeping up, that can mean that something's going on with me, that something's on my mind that's not resolving. Um, and it can be definitely a big indicator for me that something's not going so great. Same thing with sleeping habits, having trouble waking up four times a week per more. Again, I like to think about more often than not, I'm having trouble finding that energy in the morning to get out of bed. I'm tending toward that hypersomnia. And same thing for energy levels, um, feeling more tired than usual three times per week or more. Um, again, since this one's energy, um, I put the threshold a little bit lower since this affects you so much throughout the day. Um, and, and can affect all these other things where if you're feeling tired, I know that you, I tend to eat more on days where I'm feeling tired. That it does affect my sleeping habits where if I'm feeling tired, I need more and then um, it can cause that trouble waking up. So they're all kind of interconnected. And at that uber level, for me, I want to seek help when three of these four metrics are triggered for three weeks in a row or more. Um, and, and that's kind of the pattern that I use that like if this isn't resolving um, after a couple of weeks, you know, maybe something stressful is going on at work that, that got over or something, but if, if it's different than that, where it's not distinctly caused by something tangible, um, I want to make sure that I'm keeping an eye out for that. 
I did want to make sure uh, to call out that while those other things like kind of feeling irritable or something or something that you can kind of wait and see, there are a couple ones that you should uh, seek help for immediately, not delay on, and make sure that it's professional help, um, like thoughts of death or suicide, thoughts of harm to self or others, or any persistent serious symptoms that affect your quality of life, like anxiety or depression. Those can all be signs of something very serious, um, something a little bit more than just like having trouble sleeping or something like that. So um, just make sure that you're looking out for these more serious ones and that you don't delay on getting help for those. Don't wait three weeks if you're feeling suicidal. Um, definitely make sure to, to seek that help out. But going back to this, um, now we're going to do a similar thing like we did with the thresholds, or sorry, with the scenarios, where I do want you to go and think about the thresholds um, for the scenarios that you just talked to, talked to, uh, wrote down. All right, so like we talked about, think about how your individual metrics and all of your metrics should interact to think about being in a good or a bad state. And again, these should be metrics driven on top of the scenarios. And like last time, we'll take four minutes to brainstorm what you're thinking about. So pull up the timer and start this again. Great. And same thing here. Does anyone want to share any of the scenarios or um, thresholds that they came up with? My metric would be if circumstances are normal or look fine, but my behavior is not, and I would not need to stop and think about what's going on. Yep, exactly. And I think that's a great thing to try and decouple. Is there a particular stressor, just maybe a big project at work, something you're nervous about that's causing you to be a little bit more uh, stretched thin in terms of mental health, or if everything's fine and, and you're still feeling this way, that's a huge one to understanding that like something something's going on. All right. And then one last thing. Um, what we're doing today is kind of thinking about what do I know about myself? What do I think I know about myself and writing that down? Um, but like any good system with telemetry and tracking, it's always good to have a more concrete way of understanding those numbers and gathering that data. And there are apps that can help you with that. So one that I've used in the past is called Dailyo, where you can track your mood and say, this is how I was feeling today. These are the activities I did. You can write notes to yourself. Um, and that can help you look at things and say like, well, I think I felt this way, but let me check back and see like, how was I actually feeling over the week, over the month, as long as you have data and dailyo. And then on to the last step, which is creating a continuity plan. Um, and we are running low on time, so I'll try and go quickly here. But um, basically, going back to that metaphor with the App Store reliability, there was one other thing that I was in charge of, which is a business continuity plan. And uh, like most tech things, um, the apps were served from data centers. And one of the things that I had to think about is like, what happens if we lose a whole data center? What happens if, if a lot of our resources go away and we really need to do something? And how can we fail over? How can we keep serving apps to our customers? How can we keep the business running if something um, is going on that needs our attention? And coming back to mental health, it's the exact same thing. So you just figured out what things tell me that I'm in a good or a poor mental health state, and when do I know I need to get help? And this last step is figuring out exactly what do we do when we know that we're in that poor state? What tangible actions can you do to improve your mental health? 
And again, some common ones to consider that I take advantage of myself. Setting up a therapy appointment therapy is, is so good for the soul and for figuring out what's going on. These are trained medical professionals that are, that are here to deal with those problems with you. Reaching out to a trusted friend, someone that you can lean on, um, that can help you kind of diffuse the situation, get an outside perspective. Aggressively prioritize sleep, the gym, other self-care, whatever you know that makes you feel better, making sure that you're making time for that. And another common one is reducing commitments. Um, I know as we're all busy people, and I know that I fall into this trap of stretching myself too thin, and I can put myself last when that happens because I'm so worried about juggling everything that's going on. And so reducing commitments is one way that I can definitely take a step back and do some personal self-care. And so same thing here. What I want you to do is think about what the plans are, three to five actionable things that you do when you know you're in need of this help. And again, just take four minutes to think through that, um, and I'll let you go ahead. Perfect. Yeah, and I, I love what's going on in the chat, not trying to please everybody, make some me time every day, not just on Sunday or after work. Um, so important. And I've actually learned that working from home has helped me with that, where I feel like when I get to a point where I'm not being super productive anymore, that I can take like a full half hour break and then come back, of course, work <laughs> and make up that time. Um, but taking a fuller break because um, working remotely has just given us that opportunity to kind of take the time that you need. So I, I know that that's been healthier for me to have that kind of time where you don't just have to run from meeting to meeting. And maybe we could share for one minute um, if anybody has anything else to add. Acknowledge to myself and share my state with my family. Say it out loud matters. Yeah, of course. And, and like I mentioned, just talking about everything was so critical to my own story. Um, and also, if you think about it, that's, that's part of the reason that talking to therapists or talking to friends help is just kind of the verbalization of what's going on. It's just really powerful. And uh, if you have more, feel free to add it to the chat. Uh, for keeping time in mind, I'm going to keep going. Try this thing one more time. Oh, so cool. Uh, and one last thing, I think it's great to keep this plan somewhere handy, like in your phone, so that if you find yourself struggling, take a look and, and you'll always have that place to go back to that's easy access to remember and remind yourself how to get help when you're feeling uh, low. And like I promised at the beginning, that part that we just went through is forming that whole plan of what you can do for yourself as an individual, but there are things that organizations can do to set their employees up for success. So one, think about how to integrate mental health into your whole organization. Um, and I'll talk through some examples that Microsoft has done that I think have been super helpful. The first one is we have a disability employee resource group where you can go for different information and support. And as part of that, we also have neurodiversity uh, support groups in there, uh, email groups and teams channels where you can talk through different afflictions or issues that you're going through with people who openly talk about having ADHD, ADD, depression, anxiety, all of that. And that's been super healthy. Another thing that we've done is that as part of our, our annual review, um, we have one metric about improving the culture. 
And I always write about mental health in there. And so I think having that way where it's not just about like, what are you doing for the business priorities, but also to make this a healthier company has been really great to give people an opportunity to think about how can we make work a happier and healthier place for people to come. The next one is promote inclusive hiring. Um, again, we know that diverse teams are stronger teams. Um, and also, uh, so again, talking through the Microsoft example, one program that we have that's really exceptional is our autism hiring program, um, where we specifically go um, and have special events and interview processes to make sure that we're doing the best we can to support, um, sorry about my team's meeting <laughs> popping up, to support um, people uh, with autism who may have different needs during the interview process. The next is establishing an employee assistance program. If you're not familiar with that term, it's a place that uh, employees can turn to to find these mental health resources. And that's actually how I got started with my therapy back in 2014 was that I just called a phone number. I told them what I was going through and what I needed help with. And they did the legwork of connecting me with a therapist who had an open appointment and was in my network. And at the time they had three free therapy sessions per year. Um, they've actually increased that to 12 free sessions through Microsoft. Um, and so that's just a really, really great benefit that I still take advantage of to this day um, for making sure that my mental health stays in check. The next one is bringing in and supporting proven mental health literacy programs. So that's something that I've done with our Sunnyvale office. There is a suicide prevention training called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, Refer, and it's the steps to how to help somebody that might be struggling with suicidal ideation. And we've brought that in twice to the Microsoft Sunnyvale office so people can be educated in those programs, the science to look for, all of that stuff. Um, and another thing that my team did to support me was that I found out about a training called Mental Health First Aid. And it was two days where I was not going to be at work and the team said, you don't need to take vacation, just go and do this training. And that was just so incredibly supportive to being able to be there for, for my own mental health and in a way that would give back to anybody that came to me with mental health issues. And the last one is creating support networks and safe spaces for mental health. Like I talked about, we have those team channels and email distributions lists um, where people have a place to turn to if they need something um, or need somebody to talk to or find resources. So these are all just really great ways that companies can uh, do this to support their employees. And again, I've seen Microsoft do a really great job in leadership in this space. One thing I did wanna to touch on is that we're all in this really crazy time right now being um, stuck at home in the pandemic. So I did read about some coronavirus specific mental health tips that I'll just run through kind of rapid fire. Um, so just remember that uh, social media can be really, really good, but also just really harsh sometimes. Um, so think about taking breaks from social media and from the news if you're finding it all overwhelming. Um, the next, creating intentional social interaction. So this is a great example of using video conferencing for this kind of thing, but just think about how you can continue to connect with people. Next one is acknowledging any anxiety or panic. So it's never a good thing to kind of shove any emotions down and pretend they're not there. I know because I did it for a very long time, um, but just making sure that you say like, actually, this is how I'm feeling. I acknowledge it. Let me see if there's something I can do about it, something, someone I can talk to. And I think a really great tip that came from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is if you find yourself wanting to be alone and isolating, it's okay that you're saying you wanna do that because like, wow, I don't wanna spread coronavirus. I don't wanna spread COVID. Um, but make sure that you're isolating because of, of those things and not because of depression, which can also tend toward wanting to isolate. The next one that can help you a lot is separating what's in your control from outside your control and only focusing on those things that you can do um, and not worrying so much and trying to like acknowledge the existence of those other ones, but not torture yourself over the fact that you can't 
do anything about them. And that can really help you focus on your locus of control and feel a little bit more at ease. The next one, remember to take care of yourself physically, taking deep breaths, stretching, meditating, exercise if you can, and remembering to eat healthy, well-balanced meals and avoiding any kind of drugs and alcohol, um, just to make sure that your system stays up and running, um, especially when we're all a little bit more physically restricted, at least still here in the US than we normally are. Second page of this. <laughs> um, again, talking to people how you're feeling, this is just a great way to lessen stress, get things off of your mind and make you feel less alone making time for yourself and activities that you enjoy. I do see somebody on the chat need to drop. Thank you for attending. Um, thank you, it was great to have you. Continuing on calling your healthcare provider if stress gets, stress gets in the way of your daily activities for several days in a row. So like I talked about um, during that thing uh, before, where I was like, there are some serious things you should seek help for. If stress or anxiety is preventing you from doing normal life activities for a couple days in a row, that can be the sign of a bigger struggle. Um, and so it's definitely good to seek help. There are a lot of telehealth options these days um, that I know are still running during a shelter in place like we're in the US. Um, so watch out for those. Knowing the facts can help reduce the anxiety. The CDC has a good list of facts. And the National Alliance on Mental Illness also has a list of coronavirus information and resources. Sorry, I'm kind of triple booked right now <laughs> after this meeting, so that's why you'll see a couple meeting invites. Um, spending time outside, again, really great for your mental health. Knowing your resources, um, one of my favorites for any time you feel like you're in crisis, overwhelmed, anything like that is the crisis text line. Um, and here I've listed the numbers for the US and for Canada. Um, so for Canada, Toronto, just text home to 686868 um, and you'll be connected with a crisis counselor. And continue your regular mental health care if you can, again, like telehealth communications with your doctor or therapist. And the last thing that employers can do is promote genuine stories of diversity, inclusion, and belonging. And on the right here is the image of uh, my own story where Microsoft did publish that article um, where they said that we're here for mental health. And it's not just me saying that, but according to the CDC, this is a direct quote from them. The current data indicate the following strategies be considered by mental illness stakeholders and the general public to improve attitudes and behaviors towards persons with mental illness and promote social inclusion. Um, and that includes ensuring balance in broadcasting by encouraging stories about recovery, accomplishment, and contributions by people with mental illness. And so it's just a really big part of that story. Um, and it's something that really changed the course of my life, kind of bringing this back full circle. This is when I became empowered and kind of owned my diagnosis as opposed to letting it control me. And that's it. Thank you so much for attending. We're a little bit over, apologize about that. But thank you so much. Awesome, thank you so much, that was great. And thank you all for joining us again. Uh, stay tuned, we'll have uh, more sessions coming up. Uh, so stay tuned for uh, our future events. Thank you for joining us. Thank you everyone. Thank you, Beth, Amin, Jeff. Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.